Father, thank you, Lord. Most of all, for the freedom we have in the Lord Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd just like to leave you with a portion of Scripture. And I was going to, uh, this is what I was going to share. Uh, but I, because of time, Hebrews chapter 10. If you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 with me and just look at these few verses to take with you this morning. Again, uh, those of you who were there that day uh, and are, you remember that day when the towers were hit. Um, and uh, over three, uh, close to 3,000 people lost their lives, heroes. New York Fire Department, law enforcement, as well as those in the Pentagon and others. The great attack. And you know, uh, as we think of what America stands for, has stood for, for these many, many years. Stood for freedom. Billy Graham, on that day, actually it was uh, on September 14th, a few days later after the attack, there in New York. Uh, Billy Graham gave a speech to the nation. I don't know how many of you remember that, but I just want to share a few excerpts from his message to our country. He wrote, we come together to affirm our conviction that God cares for us. Whatever ethnic, religious, and political background may be, the Bible says that he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Today, we say to those who mastermind this cruel plot and to those who carried it out, the spirit of this nation will not be defeated by their twisted and diabolical schemes. Someday those responsible will be brought to justice. And we know God, God's day of justice is coming. But today we gather together in this service to confess, he says, our need for God. We've always needed God from the beginning of this nation, but today we especially need him. We're involved in a new kind of warfare, warfare, and we need the help of the Spirit of God, Billy said. And that would bring to my mind the spiritual warfare that's going on in your life and my life as believers in Jesus Christ today. That there's a battle going on in each of our lives. Satan has, has chosen the people of God to attack. And I've sensed that Satan has zeroed in on Jonestown Bible Church in many ways. And, and he is working, and whether it be physical uh, ailments and sickness and cancer or, or emotional family issues, church issues, whatever it is, uh, Satan will not stop, just like the terrorist would never stop even after 9-11. And Billy went on to say, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, this is speaking to believers now, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. We've seen so much that brings tears to our eyes and makes us all feel a sense of anger. But God can be trusted. And dear Christian, this morning, take that with you. 
in your pain, in your sorrow, your suffering, whatever it is, in your maybe you're being persecuted today. Oh, we're not being persecuted like others in foreign lands, like Chile and others, who who have to even give their life up and all their possessions, everything they own, and their families for the sake of Christ. Uh, we don't see that too often here, but. At the same time, we are, your faith is being tested, and Satan is tempting us to, to turn from the Lord, to stop trusting him, and to, he wants to weaken our faith. And then Billy concluded by saying this. He said, what are some lessons to be learned here? First, we are reminded of the mystery and reality of evil. He says, I don't know the answer. I have to accept by faith that God is sovereign and that he is a God of love and mercy and compassion in the midst of suffering. Secondly, Billy said, a tragedy like this could have torn our country apart, but instead it has united us. Those perpetrators who took this on to tear us apart, it has worked the other way. It has backlashed. We are more united than ever. It shows that we need each other in the midst of a tragedy. And dear Christians, as a family of God, we need each other to strengthen each other and build one another up and help each other through the trials and the testings of this life. And then Billy wrapped it up by finally saying, finally, difficult as it may be to see right now, this event gives a message of hope. That sure doesn't sound right, does it? 9-11 gives a message of hope. How's that possible? Well, he said, hope for the present, hope for the future. Yes, there is hope. We desperately need a spiritual revival in this country, and that's what America needs. And God has told us in his word time and time again that we need to repent of our sins and return to him, and then he will bless us in a new way. There also is hope for the future because of God's promises. He says, as a Christian, I have hope not for this life, but for heaven and the life to come. And then he's speaking in the National Cathedral there. And he, he said, here in this majestic National Cathedral, we see all around us the symbol of the cross. For the Christian, the cross tells us that God understands our sin and our suffering. For he took them upon himself in the person of Jesus Christ. From the cross, God declares, I love you. I know the heartaches and the sorrows and the pains that you feel right now, but I love you. And then he concludes, but the story doesn't end with the cross. For Easter points us beyond the tragedy of the cross to an empty tomb. It tells us that there is hope for eternal life, for Christ has conquered evil and death and hell. Yes, there is hope. And my friends, here the writer of Hebrews wanted to just encourage the saints who were being persecuted. They were having their own 9-11s as Jewish Christians. They were being attacked from every side, and Satan was, was pouring it on. And so many were taken and thrown into prison, others killed for their faith. And so these verses, Hebrews 10, verses 32 to 39, 
are the verses that I wanted to choose this morning to encourage your heart because the writer of Hebrews wrote this to encourage the saints that back then. Verse 32, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great affliction of suffering. When he says, of, uh, he says remember the former days, he's t- talking to the Christians who were, when they were first saved, they felt the persecution, the testing of their faith, and they came through it with flying colors. They were young Christians. They grew strong. But time went on, and suddenly now they're tested again, and some of them are wavering. Some of them feel like giving up. They don't, they're losing the, their will to fight for the faith. And so when he's talking about former days, that's what he's talking about. When you first came to know Jesus Christ. Then verse 33. Partly by being made a public spectacle through through reproaches and tribulations. And partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. 34. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. Here the writer of Hebrews is telling the saints, he's saying, you've been made a public spectacle by the enemy. You face tribulations. And you've also been partakers of those who were cast into prisons, Christians who were thrown into prison and they're being tortured for their faith. Yet there were those believers that were entering the prisons and coming to help them, whether to bring food, to bring encouragement. And so they were they were seeking to minister to others, other believers who were hurting in the midst of their own suffering. And dear Christians, I think that's what the Lord desires of us. In the midst of each one of us, our suffering today, whatever yours is, in the midst of that, the Lord will give you strength to look at somebody else. Another believer, another brother and sister in Christ who needs you, who needs you to encourage them, to lift them up in their faith and stand by them. And then he goes on there in, uh, as he talks about the better possession because they've, they've had their property seized and everything else. But he says, you know that you in the future have a better possession and an abiding one in heaven. Verse 34, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. That you may receive what was promised. My friends, this morning, maybe your confidence is shaken as a Christian. Your confidence in the Lord. Your confidence in that he is truly sovereign and he is in control of everything in your life. I think what often happens is we find ourselves in the middle of the test. We suddenly forget don't we, of who we are and who he is, who God is, who our Lord Jesus Christ is. And I think what the, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell the believers and tell us is that when you are tested, first of all, remember the past. 
Just like 9-11 today, commemorating uh, those that, that fell and commemorating that day. And that freedom still rings. But the sad thing is that it can happen to me and to you that the freedom I have in Christ, that I knew when I first accepted Christ and I understood that he saved me from my sin. He, he set me free. And through his death on the cross for my sins and his resurrection from the dead, I am a, have, a, have a new life. I am new in Christ, new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. And I have victory over the enemy, Satan, because Jesus won it on the cross and through his resurrection. But guess what? I forget that. All I get wrapped up is in my pain, my suffering, my trial. And the writer of Hebrews says, look back. Remember your former days. Remember what Jesus did for you. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so go back and remember what you had, the freedom you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, he's saying the present. You are remember today what God is doing now in your life. That through the testing of your faith, there you are being perfected. Your faith is, will come forth pure as gold. And then finally, he's saying, look to the future. Endure and have confidence in, your, in the midst of your trial and your persecution, whatever it is. Look forward to what you have waiting for you, dear Christian. Look at the promises of God and what he has promised. He has promised us a home in heaven, everlasting life. And for, and for, all, for all eternity, we will be together with him. But it comes down to one thing in my life. And as we leave here, may this be central in my mind, in your mind and heart. As we think of this, because... My, my freedom sometimes will stop ringing. My freedom in Christ. My feeling of, my knowledge of that I'm free in Christ. So the, these, the attacks of the enemy can't destroy me. But I lose that, that ring in my heart of, of the freedom I have in Jesus. How do I get it back? Looking past, looking present, and looking at the future. And what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Frank... Frank Silchia had helped pull three bodies from the rubble when he there and after on that day of 9-11 there in New York City. When he saw there in dawn's first light, standing in the sea of debris, a heavenly symbol in a hellish setting. It was a cross. And some of you may remember this. Exhausted and traumatized by his labors. When he saw that cross, Frank dropped to his knees in tears. And he said it was a sign, as Frank recalled, a sign that God has not deserted us. It was a remnant of the World Trade Center's North Tower. A 17-foot high cross section of steel I-beams that had plummeted into the shell of an adjacent building two days earlier. How many remember that metal cross? Do you remember? It was September 13, 2001. In the sad days and years to come, what became known as the Ground Zero Cross. 
inspired people around the world as it was moved to a, from site to site in lower Manhattan. Then its odyssey finally was brought to the National Cemetery. Uh, I'm sorry, the National uh, September 11th Memorial and Museum, which spans seven stories. And, and it's, it's, it's surfaced on top of bedrock. Its subterranean galleries were built around this cross. And that cross, that metal cross, just, it happened during the explosions as those buildings crumbled. And nobody could, and looked at it, and they couldn't believe. How could a cross be made in the midst of it all? Do you know that atheists tried to get rid of that cross? A group of atheists went to the court and said, you can't have this metal cross in your, your memorial uh, museum. It's, too, it's religious. It's, it's an offense to us. They threw it out, of course. And today that cross still stands. My friend, it, it comes down to this. It's all about the cross. Your life and my life, it's all about the cross. And I can leave here today and I can go into the fire that's waiting for me and for you. The fires of testing, whatever they are, whatever's breaking your heart, whatever's tearing you apart. Go with the cross central in your mind and heart, knowing that Jesus Christ, it was his sacrifice that set you free. And you don't need to be afraid of anything because you have everlasting life. You have a, a captain of your soul who is victorious over sin, over death. Why should we fear? Let us keep the cross the center of our faith and the center of our lives as we move forward until we hear the trumpet sound. Let's pray together. As we bow this morning, dear friend, as a Christian, you're here and perhaps you have been going through trials that you never thought you would go through. And the weight is so great. And you feel like your faith is being shaken. You wonder, where are you, God? Dear friend, remember the cross. Right now, remember the cross. He did that for you. He died for you in your place for your sins. We deserved help, but Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. You shall have tribulation and trial, Jesus said in this world, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Would you stand upon that promise right now, Christian? The quietness of this moment. Bring your burden your persecution, your suffering, whatever it is, lay it at the foot of the cross and say, Lord Jesus, here it is. Give me the confidence to move forward, to not quit, and to allow the freedom I have in you to still ring in my heart. Would you make that decision, Christian, this morning? If you're here without Christ and never trusted him as Savior, I invite you to open your heart and receive the Son of God into your life. He will come in and forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and make you a child of God today. It can happen right now. Would you just believe in your heart? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved.
Pray this simple, a prayer like this with me now. Just a simple prayer, but you have to mean it in your heart and believe in your heart as you give your life to Christ. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me, and you took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus, and giving me eternal freedom from my sin. And with our heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ at this moment, you have been born again spiritually. You are part of the family of God now. Welcome to the family. Your sins have been forgiven you. You have new life, everlasting life. Heavenly Father, thank you for decisions that have been made this morning. And I pray, Lord, that as we leave this place, we might have the cross at the center of our minds and hearts as we walk through the fire that you've allowed so that the testing of our faith will produce patience and produce great reward because we have clung to the cross. Thank you as we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.